How many of you know, how many know we're spending a lot of time on this curve from misery to blessing? And we know that as we are doing this, we talked about last time, the difficult season for us to go through is this, this season down here. Up until we get to this point here where we cross over in our belief system from a belief in deception or something that's not true into a belief in truth or something that is true. As we cross over this line, we enter into the kingdom of God or the kingdom of heaven, let's say. It's easier for us to talk about it that way, so at least for now. And so as we go across that line, we recognize that life then becomes very different on this side because as we'll discover as we go through this teaching, now the truth begins to automatically be operating in our lives. If you look in Mark chapter 4, verse 24, it says that uh, the kingdom of God is like a farmer who sows seed and goes to sleep night and day, and the seed comes up, he knoweth not how, uh, first the blade, then the ear, then the full corn in the ear. Uh, and he says there, it, the, the, the earth bringeth forth fruit of itself, okay? The problem with this side of the equation here is that deception is bringing forth fruit of itself, which we call the curse, or in the New Testament, blessing free living. And so there is constantly all of these things that are going on in our lives because we live without the blessing of God in our lives. Because we live without the blessing of God in our lives, we have to do this thing called toil. And because we, then we do this toil and, uh, and lack is going on in our lives in every area, which is creating misery. Like we work hard and we don't get the fruit of our labors and we, you know, life goes on and on. And the end of our life, all I've done is work hard all of my life in order to keep lack away from the door. Lack that was created by deception. And so when we get across to the other side of the line here, we recognize what it means to be on the other side of the line because then truth bringeth forth fruit of itself. We knoweth not how. And so this is the side where now life becomes, it becomes effortless in the sense that I don't have to make things happen. It's not toil to me anymore. Now life is fun. That fun doesn't mean I don't do anything. Fun doesn't mean I don't work. It means that the work that I do is creative and, and heartfelt work that I do out of the, the joy of my heart. Matter of fact, you work harder over on this side of the line, you just don't know it. You don't realize it. Because the stuff that goes on below the line is such misery that we don't want to do it. That's why retirement has become such a big issue in our world. right? Retirement has become a big issue because nobody likes what they do. They do it just so they can get across the line into retirement, and then finally, I get to do something that I want to do. Right. question God has for them is, why weren't you doing what you wanted to do all your life? Right. Right? When God created us with a, with a dream and an ability and a desire and a passion on the inside of us, he intended that we would just follow that dream and that desire and that passion, renewed in the Lord, of course, but we would follow that passion, and every day that we produce, we're producing out of the creativity of the ability and the passion and that creative flow that comes out of our heart. It should never be that we work a day in our lives. At least we wouldn't say so. Everybody else would look at us and say, oh my gosh, you're working like a maniac. <laughs> and say, oh, jeepers, I never noticed that I, because of this, pro this process that begins to happen on the other side of the line. That being said, it would be so nice if we could just come to church on this day and then God would teleport us. How many of you like that? 
God would just teleport us right across that line and shazam, we would be living in the kingdom of God and there would never be any more of this misery or anything like that. Just get all, rid of all the deception. And how many of you say that? Yeah, let's, uh, let's build a church like that. How many of you say that? I say, although that's true, we are, go, we are desperately trying, you know, and it took me, for, you know, for people that I'm working with in my life, it, some of the revelations took me 15 or 20 years from get to this point to this point, and now people get it because of that understanding and the things that are rolling forward, they can do that same journey in a year and a half or two years. And so you do get through it quicker, and we were believing God to be able to get through it quicker and quicker as we learn a little bit more about transformation and how it works. Uh, you know, back in the day when they were doing brain surgery, about 3% of the people that would have brain surgery would actually live. This is when they first started to do it. Now it's the opposite. Now 97% of the people who have brain surgery survive the surgery. That's not because surgery is different in that sense. They're still fixing the same problems. They just know more about it now. And because they know more of the issues, they're able to prevent the issues, they're able to cooperate with the human body and the things the human body needs and the processes it's going to go through in order to get a person from having the problem all the way through to not having the problem anymore, right? That's similar to what God is trying to do in our world today, especially when it comes to decoding the process of faith, which is what we're trying to decode here and bring it into very, very understanding the experiential process of going from one side of this curve to the other side of the curve. Again, that being the case, what we want to do is we want to really understand what's going on on this side of the line. This is the difficult side of the line, especially for us as human beings because we are predisposed to not like entering into difficult things. Nobody wants to do that. Alex got me back to the gym this morning after a few months of, you know, I hurt my ribs when I was up on the roof, and so that was my excuse for not being able to go to the gym, worked pretty good for a couple months. This morning, we're back at it, but it's just not something, you know, okay, I'll go, but I'm not looking really that forward to it because I know, you know, as I'm, you know, walking out of the gym this morning, I'm feeling like I'm going to puke out of both ends and all of the things that are, you know, part of the human process of getting back into the flow of those things right? You just, it's not something that we do. We don't look forward to doing that. Um, and that's the similar process that we're dealing with here, that we need to, as Christians, we need to realize what is the journey and be ready because of the vision of where we are going. I'm willing to pay the price to get across that line. Amen. Recognizing, particularly here, as we'll talk about this particular scripture, but it will tie in the offering scripture that the fear of the Lord, the people who are operating in the fear of the Lord, there's a visible difference between those that are serving God and those that are not serving God, very specifically identified by this thing called the fear of the Lord. And so today we're going to talk about probably what you're, you're very interested in finding out, and that is how do you experience fast faith? Or how do you get through that journey as fast as possible? Now I'm going to tell you that in our day today, we are probably, of the last 2,000 years, we are the people who are prepared to go through that curve the slowest of any group of people ever. And so what that should do on the inside of you is it should say, okay, tonight I am going to pay attention to what we're going to talk about simply because I want to be one of those that can get through this curve as quickly as possible. So recognizing then that 
the journey of this lower half is going to be a, a, a journey away from any of the deception that is holding the negative things or the blessing less life, holding it as a snare or a prison around my life. No matter what I do, no matter what I try, no matter what issues come up or how much energy I exert to it, the, the blessing less life is producing in my life I knoweth not how. Simply because those deceptions are stubbornly remaining in our heart no matter what we try and do unless we identify this very key thing called the, the fear of the Lord. And so let me take a, get you to take a look with me over to Matthew chapter 13. In Matthew th 13, now Jesus is about to, as you will soon discover, Jesus is, a, is in the process of teaching us the secret codes to personal life transformation and changing what we believe. And in the middle of this story, when he's doing this teaching as he's going around, and we'll talk about that probably starting next week when we get back together again after Dr. Kaufman is here this weekend. Hallelujah, Dr. Kaufman's here this weekend. But when we get back to it, now remember that this, what we're going to talk about tonight, is stuck right in the middle of Jesus' teaching about transformation. Okay? And uh, go with me then to verse 10. And it says, and the disciples came to him and said to him, why do you speak in parables? And Jesus answered him and said to them, because it is given to you to know the mysteries of the kingdom of heaven, and, but to them that are not, they are not being given. Now, this is Jesus speaking, that he's talking to a very specific group of people, and he's saying, okay, you six people right here, it's given to know, for you guys to know the mystery. That's my intention, that you guys would know the mysteries. But for all the rest of the people that are out here, I want you to know, I am not intending very specifically to not give you these, these mysteries. That's what Jesus said. That doesn't line up with what we think Jesus would say. But Jesus is being very specific about who is going to be able to access the mysteries of the kingdom of heaven. Remember that Jesus was not coming to the earth to try to get us to heaven. The mystery of heaven is not how to get there, right? Jesus is trying to get heaven here. He's trying to get the manifestation of the kingdom of heaven. He was trying to get everybody from the downside of that chart to the upside of that chart. And so then he said, there's mysteries, there's things you need to know. Secrets is another way of saying that word. There's secrets to knowing how to get away from the bottom side of the chart and to the top side of the chart. Therefore, I speak to them in parables, but seeing, because seeing they do not see, and hearing they do not hear, nor do they understand. And in them, the prophecy of Isaiah, that's Isaiah chapter 6, is fulfilled, which says, hearing you will hear and shall not understand, seeing you will see and not perceive. For the hearts of this people have grown dull. Their ears are hard of hearing, and their eyes they have closed. Lest they should see with their eyes and hear with their ears, lest they should understand with their hearts and turn, so that I should heal them. But blessed are your eyes, for they see, your being the people to whom the mysteries have been delivered. Blessed are you, for your eyes see, and your ears they hear. For assuredly, I say to you that many prophets and righteous men desired to see what you see and did not see it, and hear what you hear and did not hear it. 
So when Jesus is releasing this, he's telling us there are certain people that are going to be able... Now, remember what Jesus is doing. Jesus is talking to us in parables. He's telling us children's stories. And he's saying, I am telling you in children's stories because I only want certain people to be able to understand what the children's story means. Because in that children's story are hidden the secrets to unlock the journey from a blessing-less life to a blessing-filled life, or a life of misery into a life of blessing. He tells us three main key points of the preparedness of what does it mean to be a person who is given them or has the ability to, to see them and understand them. That's what he's saying here. And what, is it, what are the qualities of the heart of people who are not going to be those people? They're going to just listen to a children's story. They're going to find out what's for lunch, and then they're going to go home. Okay? Number one is in verse 12. For whoever... Uh, he's, let me do 11. For he said unto them, because it is given to you to know the mysteries of the kingdom of heaven, but to them it has not been given. For whoever has, verse 12 now, forever, whoever has, to him more will be given and he will have an abundance. But whoever does not have, even what he has will be taken away from him. Okay, the first thing that we need to do in order to flow in this lower area of the line is that we need to understand progressive revelation. That's why a lot of times when God comes to you, say, you know what, God, I'm looking, I really want to, I really want to see this healing come in my body, and God starts to talk to you about forgiveness. He'll get to the healing stuff, but if you don't start with the unforgiveness problem that you have or the bitterness problem that you have or the this problem or the that problem, then he says, I won't be able to get you up here. It's, it's a stepping approach to coming into the revelation of the things that you need. And we buy into the concept that says, if I am faithful, now God's talking to me. If I'm faithful with the thing that God's talking to me, even though to me, it's like, you know, and I'm, I'm asking God, I remember back in the early days of our lives walking with the Lord, you know, we had all kinds of financial trouble. And so every single day, my day started with, please, God, bless me. And then so God, and then, then God would reply to me saying, okay, Ian, just go be a blessing. And I'd say, okay, hang on a second, God. No, here's what I need you to do. I, I'm not sure if you heard me, but I need you to bless me. God would answer by saying, okay, go be a blessing. And so you see, because it's progressive, right? The things that I understand, I have to change this mentality on the inside of me. And when I change that, then I can have this more. Then I change this, I can have this. Then I change this, I can have this. But the ability to see is kind of like we are going through, uh, you know, uh, a little wall and then a plateau and then a wall and then a plateau and a wall and a plateau, if you can imagine walking along a world like that. As we are going along the lower level, we can't see what's on the plateau on the third level. Do you see that? Because you're not high enough. So what you have to do is go up on this one. For example, I go up on this one, and now I can see what's on the next one. When I go to the next one, now I can see what's on the next one. But we have to buy into a readiness that says, walking by this way is a process. And that as I continually go along this process, eventually God is going to get me to where I need to be. I should not always expect 
that the answer that I get the very first day, people, you know, that's a problem we have a lot in the kingdom because of our, you know, we kind of want drive-through Christianity. But when God is doing it, they come, people come to God and they want the problem fixed tomorrow, like right now, rather than realizing that the problem is being created by this problem of deception and the working through of this ability only can be there if we can get to the place where we can see. And sometimes we can't see the problem immediately. God has to bring us through from here, and then I'm faithful with that, I'll be given more. Then I'm faithful with that, I'm given more. Faithful that, I'm given more. Also, you will see this happening in the opposite direction, that you'll have an 18-year-old who, you know, kind of been to church with mommy and daddy, but doesn't really, really turned on to these kind of things. And so they're kind of rejecting everything and not paying any attention, and they're not really working these things and not really growing along that line. It's not long before they're 24 or 25 years old, and even that which they had has been taken from them. They've lost it. We leak as human beings. And what happens is, is that slowly but surely, those things become less and less and less in our lives. Nobody just gets to stay in a place of neutrality. You are either being faithful with what you, are, what you have and you're moving forward, or you're not being faithful with what you have and you're moving backwards. That's what this is talking about. The number one thing then that Jesus is identifying, what's the difference between those who are going to see the mysteries of the kingdom of God, sorry guys, and those of you that aren't going to see it. The number one difference is people realizing they're buying into a process. Right? Remember the people that Jesus is talking to. He says those, now Jesus has gone and he's done a little bit of a teaching and then he left. And then there's a few people then in this part of the story, a few people now that are with Jesus and they ask him about what did the parable mean? Well, what happened to the rest of the group of people that were listening? They didn't realize, oh, it's mean you're not just showing up and Jesus giving me a quick little bop on the head and everything going to be magic and everything is, you know, I'm going to be heaven on earth by tomorrow morning. Instead, the people said, no, no, I'm buying into the fact that this is a process. I'm going to have to go and understand. I'm going to have to go and work through the things that Jesus was revealing to me in his children's story. I'm going to have to work through this process in order to get from one side to the other. If a a person is not looking, you know, I I went through this a couple years ago. You know, I was just physically physically tired, just kind of like anybody ever have that bone deep tired? You know, if any kind of a job that took more than five minutes, I was not interested in that job. If it was going to take me less than five minutes, I'm, nah, okay, I'm going to be okay with this. What was that? You see, I'm not buying into the process. In order to get it done, it's going to take me a little while, and so I'm out. I don't even want to hear about anything that was going to take me more than five minutes. And so a lot of people are in that place where if it's not going to be easy, I don't want to do it. If it's not going to be simple, I'm out. If it's not going to be, you know, done, give me immediate short-term results, it's not for me. And Jesus is identifying, okay, for those people, even though I'm telling them what the problem, what the, what the solution is, that literally what Jesus has told us in these few passages of scripture that we're, going to about talk, talk, we're about to talk about, He's releasing literally the mystery of the ages, what every single human being has been looking for since Adam and Eve. But some people, they're still, they're just not wanting it. They're just not going to do it. Then number two, he talks to us about in, uh, in verse 15 there, he says, for the hearts of the people have grown dull. 
their ears are hard of hearing, and listen to this, their eyes, they have closed. And so we can kind of hear, it. Jesus didn't say, and their eyes were closed. It says their eyes, they have closed. Why did they do that? He said, lest they should see with their eyes and hear with their ears. So they did this. Literally, I am closing my eyes because I do not want to see. I'm making a decision. And so the decision is, I don't want to change. So you know that the, the, next, the next thing that Jesus is referring to is that I have a desire to change. I'm not one of those people that are saying, okay, I only want to hear messages about, you know, everything is fine and bless me, Jesus, and, you know, God's going to take care of everything for me, and I can, I'm just going to sit on my couch and, you know, don't worry, the angels will drop the grapes into my mouth. Any other message other than that, I don't want to hear it. Right? I want to close my eyes. If it's not going to be nice and fun, then I don't, want to, I, don't want to have, I don't want anything to do with it. If you're going to be like that, then the message that Jesus is, going, is, bring, is in the middle of bringing us in this moment of Scripture, the message that he's releasing to us, that person is going to say, okay, that's not for me. I don't want, I, I'm happy the way things are. Or maybe not I'm happy with the way things are, but I'm happy with the fact that I have other people to blame for this. As long I'm happy with the fact that it's God's fault or my wife's fault or my parents' fault or my government's fault or my whatever. I don't want to accept personal responsibility for this. I don't want to be that. And so what do I do? I just close my eyes and plug my ears. That's what I do. And then finally, it says, lest they should see with their eyes and hear with their ears, lest they should understand with their hearts and turn. That word is the word for repent so that I should heal them, okay? Now, there's three, there's three different times that we have this particular passage of Jesus being taught to us. One is in Mark chapter 4, one is in Matthew chapter 13, and one is in Luke chapter 8. Jesus talks about the, exactly the same teaching, but when he says this passage, he uses three different words. The first word is healed, the one that we just read. The second one is forgiven, of our sins, and the third one is saved. This one is Mark 4, this one is Luke 8, and this one is Matthew chapter 13. And so what is the, what is the, pr the priority of that part where it says, I am ready to know the mysteries of the kingdom? The key of it is, is that I have a vision of where I'm going. And this becomes, this becomes very important, particularly when it comes to, remember I was telling you that last time, we get along this road and we can kind of do this kind of a thing and head towards religion, yeah. right? If we don't know where I'm going here, I'm not doing this to become a professional Mark chapter four person. Right? I'm not doing it so that I, am, uh, uh, you know, I can beat myself every day with how miserable a person I am. I'm not doing it so that I can become uh, a really good religious person. I'm doing it because I have a vision. I have a vision either to get healed, to forget, forgiven of my sins, or to get saved. Now, please don't, we've talked about some of these already. Don't get messed up on those in a religious sense. Right? When Jesus is talking about healed, he's talking about a transformation in your physical body. 
or in your soul, to be made whole is what that word means. Forgiven of our sins is talking about the release of deception, right? So this very process that we're talking about here is where we get actual forgiveness, right? Saying sorry because I do a sin is not real forgiveness. You get released from your debt, right? If Liz comes to me, she slapped me in the face yesterday. She comes to me this morning and she says, I'm sorry, dad. Then I'm going to say, you know, you're released. I'm not going to slap you back. (laughs) But how many of you know, I'm going to stay about this far away from Liz (laughs) until I know she's learned not to slap. Okay. When we're talking about true forgiveness, there's one level of forgiveness that comes by God releasing our debt. He's not going to smite you anymore. He never was going to smite you. But he, he's, you, you don't have to worry anymore about him smiting you. Because Jesus has already paid all the smiting that he was ever, took all the smiting that was ever going to happen. The problem is, is that we want to come up to the place where we are like forgiven in the sense of completely released and restored to the place as if the thing that I did had never happened, right? That only comes because I have experienced this transformation in my heart. Now you know if I happen to spit at Liz because I'm whatever, I'm preaching or whatever, I know she's not going to come and slap me because she's been renewed in that area. She already understands the nature of the situation. And so I don't ever have to ever worry again about Liz slapping me because it isn't in her nature to do that anymore. Whatever the deception was that caused her to do that has been gone. Now, not only is she released of the debt, she's also now completely restored in fellowship, which is what we're desiring to do. Okay? God is so desiring to pour out so many revelations into our lives. Right? God controls the entire world by the revelation that he can get into your heart. God does not have the ability to go to Gulu and just magically transform Gulu with a twinkle of his nose. He's not going to be able to sprinkle pixie dust over that area. In order to facilitate transformation, he has got to get the word of God, the release of the revelation of the word of God into the hearts of the people. It is through that transformation that God is able to transform a community, transform a city, transform a nation, eventually transform the whole wide world. So God gets his way in this earth by you getting the word of God released into your heart. Now God has the ability to do in your life the things that he desires to do. If we are those people that say, I don't want to do that, or I'm going to come and stop short, I'm going to end up somewhere around here in religion, it's not going to work. God still doesn't have the ability to do what he wants in my life because I haven't gotten across that line. Even though he has all these great plans for me, nothing's happening. Okay, So each one of us are looking to the place where we say, I've got a real vision here. The vision really is to get to that place in Mark chapter 4 where it says that the earth bringeth forth fruit of itself. We're looking for automatic. Just like the curse or blessing lessness or lack or sickness or misery or jealousy or envy or... or, or covetousness, whatever, that you don't even have to try to make that come up in your life. You're not trying to get problems into your life. Those are just coming forth, you knoweth not how. Those are there. We were looking for that same process of knoweth not how to happen on the blessing side of things. That is our evidence. And we have to not stop 
until I see that evidence. And I'm not saying there's anything wrong with you if you don't have the evidence. You're not more or less a Christian. You're not more or less loved. You're not more or less a good person based on how much of the blessing is flowing in your life. All that the difference is, is that whether the truth is in there in the sense of it is now growing, as we'll talk about in the next few weeks, or whether it's got that growing process in your heart or whether it doesn't yet. Every person is able to get all of the word of God in their heart. Everybody. It's just a matter of, will we do it? Will we go through the process of learning? I'm going to have to start with these three things. One, I'm buying into the fact that it's a process. Two, I really do desire to change. And I'm recognizing that no pain, no gain. I'm going to have to do some work here, and I'm going to have to get this thing dug out. And then third, I'm going to focus on the vision. I'm going to be a vision-based person. I'm not going to be trying to get rid of something. I'm trying to get something. Right? When we're trying to remove a negative, it's very, very difficult for us to stay in the long term. It's just human nature. But when I am a vision-based person, when I'm trying to move towards something that I want, now I am inspired every single day to make the journey. I'm inspired to get the pain. I'm, in, I'm inspired to go through the process. I'm inspired to do whatever it needs to do because I've got my eye on this thing over there that I am looking to get. I'm not satisfied to just go to somewhere along this line. I've got the kingdom of heaven in my mind. And I want to be one of those people in that, Mal that Malachi chapter 3 talks about where the, the world can look at you and say, God must be with you. Now, you must be one of those people that is, that is in the kingdom of heaven here on earth, just like they did with Jesus. Mal uh, uh, Nicodemus comes up to him and says, how can I have what you have? Right? Nicodemus, a religious ruler, a, a blessed person in the Jewish way of things, but he would say to Jesus, I want what you have. Yeah. Rich young ruler comes to Jesus. He would have been blessed financially above measure, and he says, I want what you have. The lawyer, somebody who's prominent in society, comes to Jesus and says, I want what you have. Right? This, there's a visible thing that each one of us is able to step into. Okay, so let's take a look then at the, the process, the key process to getting through this, good thing I got a big board, getting through this lower process of the, the chart in a fast way. You do that, if you turn over to Proverbs chapter one, with something called the fear of the Lord. In Proverbs chapter one, it tells us that the fear of the Lord, if you go to verse uh, 7, uh, Solomon talking to us here, the Lord talking to us through the wisest man who has ever lived, Solomon. I think Paul gave him a run for his money, but let's go with Solomon. It says, the fear of the Lord is the beginning of knowledge. And if you go to Proverbs chapter 9 and verse 10, it says, the fear of the Lord is the beginning of wisdom. And so, we recognize then, as we are going through this transformational process, the very first part of this transformational process, I'm going to have to take something off here. The very first part of the transformational process is going to be allowing a bit of new information or something that we don't already believe to be true into our mind. Recognizing that our soul's job its priority job in our lives is not to let anything into our soul that we don't already agree with. 
That's why you have probably heard before that human beings are, have you ever heard that human beings are resistant to change? The reason that we are resistant to change is because our soul has the very specific mandate of never letting us change. And so there are barriers that are put in the way our soul operates that when we hear something that is contrary to what we already believe, there is an automatic knee-jerk reaction of your soul to, to absolutely ignore what is being said. In order for the soul to grab on to information that it is already predisposed to ignore or reject. If the, and if the information that is coming at you is important to you, like it's a, it's a solid place in your heart and somebody comes at you and wants to challenge that thing, you can become aggressively negative to that. As we talked about before, you know, when you deny and deflect and defame and dissect and whatever the rest of those things were, that's something coming at you. You know, uh, Garth is coming to me and he's saying, you know, Pastor Ian, I really think you should look at this type of thing that's going on in your life right now. And boom, I slap him in the face and I tell him, that's not me, that's you. You're just... That's a knee-jerk reaction that my soul has to prevent any information coming to me that I am not willing to hear or that is contrary to the way I believe things are. I think what Garth ought to be doing is going and telling Tina that she's the problem. That would be nice if I could, you know, because that's what my heart wants to believe that somebody else, Fred is the problem. I'm not the problem. Tina is the problem. Justice, somebody's the problem. God's the problem. Anybody is the problem but me. And so when that information comes to me, I am automatically, uh, how many of you ever felt that when somebody comes to you, you can feel the, we say it like this, the walls go up. Well, the walls are going up. Now that person, their eyes glaze over, and you're going on with this great, you know, sewing your pearls towards whatever, and, right? But you can tell that person is not paying any attention anymore. What's happening? Well, when, when you are, when, when your soul, in order for your soul to accept something that is challenging them, there must be a higher credential that that other person has. Right. Like when, you know, I take cream in my coffee and Jessica said to me the other day, the reason I cough, you know, I do that little coffee thing when I first come up here, coffee thing, that <laughs> cough thing that is related to my coffee thing. She says it's because I take cream in my coffee. Now, I don't want to hear that because I like cream in my coffee, right? So I reject, there must be some other reason why this is happening. I don't want to hear it, right? And so now, as I'm realizing that, you know, a lot of my kids are all science guys, you know, they were on a path to be medical doctors and things like that. And I think Dr. Pritula talks to them all the time behind my back. And so <laughs> I'm starting to realize I need to listen to the things that they're saying to me. But you notice that when you hear it first from a person who doesn't have the credential, you immediately don't listen to that thing. Once a person has a credential, now you listen. How many of you notice that thing about your soul? And so there is a subordination that needs to happen in your soul in order for it to be willing to hear information that it does not agree with. Right? When we come in the, in, the, in the offering, it's one of those big things. That's why God says, you know, you got to serve God or mammon. When we talk about money, money is such an important thing to us in our hearts. When God starts to deal with us in the area of money, 
We don't want to hear that. We want it to be, let's talk about something else, right? That's that little dip in the, remember I told you about the little dip in the service, right? When we get through that, we're in a great place. But a lot of the times what happens to us is that we've got to be willing, even though I think all Ian wants is my money, then, and so I'm resistant to any message about tithing when I get through it because I'm saying now, okay, wait a minute, I'm going to subordinate myself to something that is going to get that new information into my mind when my desire at first would be to completely reject it. I know why Ian's taking up an offering because he just wants my money. I'm already convinced I know the answer to that equation, so go do your little thing, you know, your little dog and pony show during offering, but I'm not paying any attention to me. See, that's what your soul does. Until I'm willing to subordinate myself to something, I'm never going to experience change in that area because every time the change tries to happen in my life, I'm doing this, and I I have closed my ears, and I have shut my eyes. I don't want to change in this area. That thing that does it is what's called the fear of the Lord. And so because of that, I am willing, because of who God is, and I recognize that God is smarter than me. God sees more than I see. He understands more than I understand. He knows my future. He knows how he created the earth. He knows everything about everything when he comes to me and he gives me an understanding of something, when I have a fear of the Lord, I step into it because I know his nature. I know that he loves me. I know that he is out for my best interest. I know that he understands the creation that he made, right? When it comes to, you know, doing the oil change on my car, they say, my mechanic says, or, or let's say Volkswagen says that I need to do that every 15,000 kilometers if I do this kind of oil. I would like to do it every 100,000 kilometers or so because it's such a pain in the butt to go get my oil changed. So I have to make a decision. Is Ian right or is Volkswagen right? We all have to do that. Yes, sir. And if you're smart, you will realize there's a reason why Volkswagen said that you change your oil at this many kilometers. And then if I have a fear of Volkswagen... If I realize that they have information that I may not understand, they see things, know things, and now it's not that I'm afraid of Volkswagen, am I? What am I afraid of? What should I be afraid of in that sense? Or what should I be mature about? That if I don't change the oil in my truck, then I'm going to ruin my truck, which is going to ruin my day. Right? Now, that's called the fear of the Lord. When I realize that God has created creation in a very specific way. It was not accident. This is why we have problems with the fear of the Lord. is because we think a lot of us are not, maybe we don't think that evolution is true. But we've been taught it enough times that we probably have a concern about whether it might be slightly true. Instead of realizing that every single molecule in this, on this, in this whole universe is exactly where it is supposed to be because God put it there specifically. And all of creation functions the way it functions because of God's absolute intentional design. 
just like everything in, in my truck or everything in your watch or everything on your DVD player or everything in this microphone, it's not just, hey, let's toss a bunch of wires in there and hope for the best. That's not how that works. Every little piece of it is done with intentionality. On a human level, imagine what it is like on a, on a divine level when he is releasing creation forth. If he knows that, and he then gives us an instruction about how to use creation, how does creation work, especially when he's giving us maybe things that are maybe a little bit not, you know, he's not telling us. It's like when they, you remember the Old Testament where they had the Israelites and they got away from Pharaoh, and then God told them, you know, when you go into the desert, you know, make sure you poop outside the camp. Do you all remember that one? No. God didn't tell us about germs and dysentery and all these kind of things. He just said, don't poop, out. He just said, don't poop in the camp. Mm-hmm. Now, what they were going to do if they pooped in the camp is they were going to poison their water, and then they were all going to die. Yeah. But they didn't understand this concept of germs. germs has only been, the understanding of germs has only been in the earth for 250 years. This was thousands and thousands of years ago. And so even though God understood what was going to happen with the poop, it was going to go in the water, and then the water was going to become infected, and then they were going to drink the water, and they were going to die. God knew that's what was going to happen. So he doesn't necessarily come to us always and say, make sure you poop outside the camp. He just, uh, or I mean, teaches a, take a long uh, teaching session on what a germ is and what dysentery is and all that stuff. He just says, poop outside the camp. And so when we have a recognition in ourselves of the fear of the Lord, realizing that, we'll talk a little bit more about this, because the nature of God is the key. What Pastor Alex was getting to when he was with us the other day is that our ability to trust God is the key, even though he's, you know, not as blessed as me to use a whiteboard, to the process of getting all the way along this journey The key to this journey is trusting God, or what the Bible calls the fear of the Lord. That when he comes to us and he releases information to us, the higher the the coefficient on the inside of me, the more I know the nature of God, one, that God loves me, we'll talk about this next time, Two, when we understand the nature of God, God is omnipresent, he's omniscient, he's, he lives in eternity, he's, he never changes, and God is love. What does it really mean to us when we have a revelation where I believe the New Testament is supposed to begin, and that is with a revelation of the love of God. It should not begin with a revelation of Jesus on the cross. Because if we get a revelation of Jesus on the cross, what I feel is a debt unless I experience the love of God in Jesus on the cross. And so many people, they come into the kingdom today and all, they were, you know, Jesus died on the cross, you get to skip hell, okay, so you're out of hell right now, so go ahead, live your life and carry on, you know, hopefully see you on the other side. They don't necessarily get a revelation of the love of God. And then when it comes to this process of trusting God or knowing that God knows better or the word of God is true and all of these concepts that are going to get us along this journey very, very quickly, people don't have that revelation. They need to start with a revelation that God loves them. And then 
when God comes to them and releases information to them, releases revelation to them, releases the answers to the questions, no longer am I doubting God and pushing God away from me. Instead, I'm running towards him because I know that he has the answers. Most of us in our generation have some, have a much lessened degree of the fear of the Lord in their life. We've heard all kinds of YouTube videos and all kinds of other teachings about whether God exists, whether the Bible is true, all of these kind of things. Maybe you didn't pay a lot of attention to them, but it doesn't take a lot of attention. It just takes a little bit of doubt. And when there's a little bit of doubt, then those things have the power to grow and it lessens our fear of the Lord. I'm just, you know, how many of you have gone through an experience with God and that somebody told you, you know, if you give $10 in an offering today, then you'll have $100 by four o'clock tomorrow. Thus saith the Lord. Now, I'm not saying that that wasn't necessarily God talking to you, but if you don't know how to exercise the faith in that prophetic voice in your life, then we go through, we give our $10 in the offering, and then by tomorrow it doesn't happen. What do I start to do? I start to lose my trust in God. When I start to lose my trust in God, my, fe my fear of the Lord coefficient decreases a little bit. And now the next time God comes and speaks to us because we don't know what to do with the prophetic voice in our lives, that it doesn't come to pass in our lives just because somebody said it to us. It comes to pass in our lives because we've done what it takes to actually believe that what God said is true. That you might think you're a loser, but God comes to you and says you're a success. What'd you do with that? It doesn't magically make you a success. As I get rid of the fact that I'm, I'm a failure in life and I, and I believe the fact that all things are possible for me, as I make that transformation with the word of the Lord that was delivered for me to me, all of a sudden that thing starts to work. Does it, do you understand? But if we don't understand that process properly, then God comes to us and says, hey, you're a, you're a success waiting to happen. And then the, you know, the 15 more years of your life go along and there's still no visible success as what's going on in your heart as you are you know, going through day after day, failure after failure, misery after misery, is your fear of the Lord is going down. As all of this stuff happens, we are experiencing this decrease in the octane level. Help me somebody, A-N-E? Yeah. The octane level of the Word of God. Because the power in the Word of God is ignited by my fear of the Lord. When God speaks, do I write it down? When I get a prophetic word, do I record it? Do I write it down? Do I read it again? Do I take it home? Do I meditate on it? Do I think about it? Do I go through it? Or is it just, oh, I can't wait for, oh, there's a prophet on Sunday. Let's, let's go get another prophetic word. Not that there's anything wrong with going and getting another prophetic word. God would, God would have you listen to him 24-7. I don't know if you knew that. He would have you reading your Bible and listening to tapes and listening to the Word of God and going through your prophecies. You know, he didn't care whether you know what happened last night on Blacklist. That's not a big priority to God. What is a priority to God is that his words would become real in the inside of your life, transform your life. And so each one of us, I finished with this one story if I could, and I'll tell you a couple more when I'm back with you. On, I'll finish the second half of this teaching became really apparent to me 
the transformation in our culture. I was speaking with the interns the first week. I, think, I don't think the second years. I think the guys had gone to Uganda at this time. But I was talking about the fear of the Lord with the, with the interns, first-year interns. And as I was preparing for that teaching, I was reminded of something that happened to me when I was a child. I was over in Scotland with uh, my father's sister, uh, my Auntie Annie. And her daughter, Jean and I, who are, we are cousins, we were upstairs playing. I think we must have been doing something like dress up or something like that. Now, my Auntie Annie had struggled with cancer for about 40 years of her life. Even at this stage, uh, she would wear a wig. I don't think I'm being mean to her. I'm just telling you a story. I'm sure she would be proud of that, that she, that she was a survivor. Um, and anyway, so we had, when we were doing our little game, whatever it was that we were doing, I had put one of these wigs on. And then I went out of, I think it was my Auntie Annie's bedroom, and I went out into the hallway, and my granny, this was Granny Eriske, that's my father's mother, she was walking down the hallway as I came out of the bedroom. I think Jean and I must have been together when we were doing this. And so we came out of it and we said to Granny Eriske, look, Granny, look at my new hair. And Granny Eriske was so angry at me. Can anybody guess why other than the first year interns? A lot of people say, well, you dressed up like a girl. And I'm not proud of that by any means. <laughs> but that wasn't... That wasn't the reason Granny Eriske was mad. Some people would say, well, because you were, you know, it was, you know, it was Auntie Annie's hair. And that wasn't the reason. Granny Eriske was mad at me because I lied. I told her this was my new hair. Now, you see, to Granny Eriske, even a joke was a lie. Can I ask you, in our lives today, where do we measure up? Who would you say has a greater fear of the Lord, me or Granny Eriske? Our culture or the culture that existed only two generations ago? When it came to their alignment with the ways of God, so much so, now I'm not telling you whether that was, maybe she was being a little mean to me. I think I was only 11 at the time. But I think what her purpose was, was to help me to understand that lying was wrong, even if it's a joke that you're lying. It was very important to her that I would have a fear of the Lord. Do you see that? And so when we take a look at our generation, the objective is not that we compare ourselves with each other. Because I can promise you that you think you have more fear of the Lord than anybody you know because we don't have a good measure of it anymore. We're more into uh, opinions in our day. And so I said, let's go see what God says about it. Okay, let's let me see what my next door neighbor says about it. And let me find somebody who agrees with what I'd like the answer to be, and I'll go with that person. Rather than God's word having the power, the veto power on everybody's opinion. You see, what's happened in our world is that as they become more and more opinions, opinions become cheap. The supply of opinions is now endless. Opinions don't mean anything to any of us anymore. We have to get back to the place, which is a good thing because we've kind of, you know, even, you know, the powers of things that used to have a lot of power, like the media or people in authority, we're almost like, yeah, yeah, whatever because opinions have just gone crazy in our culture. 
What that should do is open us up to be able to step into the Bible as the absolute inerrant word of God, be able to step into that thing in a way that, uh, that is so trusting in the things that God says. But as long as we have this, this eroded picture of who God is, we never get to the place where we're able to do that. We're constantly in it, yeah, whatever, yeah, whatever, yeah, whatever, yeah, whatever. We need to come to the place to make it through this journey. The journey is, when you find out how easy the journey is, when I finally get there, I could teach you the whole journey in one session, two, five. But it's an easy process. As long as you have all of these basics, as long as we understand the stuff I taught you before about the activity of the soul and the, and the kingdom of darkness at you all the time. And then this coefficient here that says, am I honestly building my confidence in God, my trust in his word, my trust in his nature? So that when God comes to me, he doesn't have to come and preach something to me for 50 years in a row before I even open my mind up to get it. I'm that person that steps. I'm a, I'm a, I'm a believer. I'm a, I'm a quick believer. I don't shine my little I'm a skeptic badge and think that that's a good thing. When it comes to the word of God, I'm a believer. I'm, a, I'm stepping in as fast as I can. I'm going to be the one, first one to jump in. If I know what the word says and I, it's clear to me and I know it's, it's, it's something for my life, I'm stepping in as fast as I can. That thing is called courage. It's called courage. That when I trust in God, it makes me courageous. That's the evidence. Right? You take a look at this team that goes to Uganda. You know, we've, you can, it shouldn't take you long to do some research on what yellow fever is and what malaria is and all of these type of things that unless they had courage, they wouldn't go. You see, the word of God makes us courageous people. Courage is a main factor in you, your ability to get to the destiny that's in your life because it's a matter of moving forward with a trust and a confidence in God as you go. So put your hand over your heart and say this with me. Say, Heavenly Father, I desire a significant increase in the fear of the Lord in my life. I trust you. I know your word is true. I know you love me. I know you know my future. I know you know everything. And so from this moment forward, I make a decision to step forward and build courage in my walk with you. I desire to increase in the fear of the Lord. In Jesus' name.